Hello and welcome to Retrospective Replay Episode 4, a serialised deep dive into video games. This is Season 2, Metal Gear Solid. My name is Ian and with me tonight is Michael. Hello. Hello Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. We're near midsummer. The weather is nice. We can go outside. The European Championships in football have started. Euro 2020, which is in 21, which is really weird. But hey ho, it's been a weird year. And it has. Bit. It's been a very <laughs> weird year. Yeah. For everyone, I think. Yeah, but I was actually speaking to somebody. I mean, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but. That's fine. I was speaking to somebody a couple of weeks ago about gaming and somebody I work with and they were like, oh, do you do you play games? And I realized I play a lot more games. I've played a lot more games during lockdown. I think it's just a good, um, well, I think we've had more time for stuff like gaming, but also it's a good escape from from reality. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a good medium as well. You know, a lot of people, some people read books. Some people like to do crochet. Other people watch sports, watch movies. I mean, you can do that, but I think... You know, it's an entertainment medium. And, and we said, I think in the last podcast when we were talking about it, to start that so many people now around the world play video games. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Did you uh, or did you tell this colleague of yours, not only do I play video games, I host a podcast talking about video games? No, I maybe I should have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not sure about self-publicity. But I mean, you know, I guess, yeah, I probably should do. Yeah. Get, Get your friends and family. Tell your friends and family about Retrospective Replay. Well, speaking about publicity, let's see. We are on Twitter as at Retro Replay Pod. So if you could give us a follow there, that would be great. And we're on Facebook as well, although it's not as popular. But it is Retrospective Replay on Facebook. And also, while we're on the subject of publicity, we have some prizes for a competition. Ooh, prizes. Ooh, prizes. So we have a Metal Gear Solid mug and coaster for a winner. And we have a couple of runner-up prizes of some retrospective replay coasters, which are pretty cool. So I'll be putting them up on Twitter. And it's a pretty simple competition to enter. All you have to do is follow us, like the competition tweet, and retweet it. Then at the end of the season, I will stick everyone's name into an Excel spreadsheet, do a little Excel wizardry, and get it to spit out a couple of names. So, you know, it's nothing much, but we don't make any money from this show. We buy things from our own pocket. Um, It's still just something pretty cool just to have, you know. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, people can tweet and and re-like it as you or retweet it and like it. But as well, I I guess, you know, any suggestions, you know, we're always thinking about what will be the next, what would the next series be on? Yeah. Um, You know, if somebody wants to pop a tweet or give an idea, you know, that would be... We're always happy to hear what people's suggestions are. What do they want us to do next? Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. We haven't had much interaction back yet, although numbers are picking up of listeners, which is nice. Uh, so if you're if you're listening, if you've been listening since the start, you know we, we really appreciate you being here, listening to us. It's fantastic to be honest, because you just never know how how these things are going to go when you start. But yeah, and I mean it's it's weird as well. I mean because we're talking to each other every week. But we don't know whether, I mean, you know, the fact that people are downloading it is positive, but yeah. we, we, you know, we're open to 
to suggestions. We're open and open to, to hear what people say, the good, the bad, the ugly. What do you like? What don't you like? What could we do differently? You know, feedback like that would be you know, fantastic. It would be. Anyway, we should probably talk about this game. Yeah, I guess so, probably. It's uh That's what the people are that's what the people tune in for. Yeah, give the people what they want, as they say. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah. Episode four. I think last week we, we defeated Vulcan and we got the level four key card, was it? Level three key card? Uh level three. The level four is from um the next in a person. bit. Right. Yeah. And so we load the game and we start in the warhead storage area and the background music warhead storage is playing so we've just come through the door from the outside and we're standing at the top of like a a ramp for the tanks to come down to be honest and but there's another walkway to the left if you run down that there's a ration at the end and did you run down there and then use first person and look around a little bit um, I ran down I got the rations box but I didn't use first person okay there's like just a there's a window at the end and you can stand there you can go to first person you can yeah. look left and right and up and down and, and see what's in there and you'll see like a camera a few guards and things we have to go down the ramp that the tanks take and at the bottom there's a really large door that opens up but it's only raised slightly so you have to crawl under as we come out the other side the codec rings and I don't think you can not answer this one can you I think you have no. to answer it. Yeah. As soon as it opens, it's the colonel, and he says, don't use weapons. And Naomi says, she's programmed the nanomachines, so we can't use weapons. And Snake asks why. Nanomachine son. <laughs> nanomachine son, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi says, there are warheads in the area, and Snake's a bit shocked to kind of find out they're just like warheads that are left around. And he calls a careless, but basically we're not allowed to use guns around here. So if we use guns, they could leak radioactive material. They wouldn't explode. They would just leak radioactive material, which would also be quite bad. But it's very yeah. shocked. Conversation, and we drop back to gameplay. I think he's also kind of shocked about the fact that they've programmed with nanomachines so he can't use his weapon. Well, yeah, it's like nanny state, right? It's nanny, nanny state and beyond, to be honest. Yeah, and I wonder, I guess it is, yeah, I guess the weapons are linked, they said previously, to the nanomachines in in his body. So Mm -hmm. if they're programmed to not use the weapons in a certain area, I guess, yeah, he can't use his weapons. Yeah, that's very true. Although I don't know, I didn't try to use my weapon in there, did you? Well, what happens is, as soon as you drop back the gameplay, it comes up no use as your weapon. Uh, And you can't select it, the only thing you can select now are chaff grenades. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember that yeah, so when that happened, when we were in the new area, I just called a couple of people. Master has got nothing of merit to say. He just told me not to hesitate in battle. Natasha tells us we're in a nuke storage area and not to use the gun, you know. And Merrill says that Dr. Emmerich should be on the second floor basement in the lab area. She says the enemies have gas masks because they are not supposed to have heavy arms. Which I noticed because the first thing I did was I ran out in front of an enemy to see what they would do and they just shoot at you and when they shoot at you the whole area floods with gas straight away. Oh, uh, okay. But you have... Oh no, yeah. And do you die or can you get away? Um, I died and then I reloaded because I tried to crawl under the door and I got killed. Oh, okay. They're not meant to use heavy weapons but they do use heavy weapons with all the guns and they shoot at you and they hit the warheads and place floods with gas that's 180 IQ ladies and gentlemen 180 IQ just just put it out there yeah. super intelligent soldiers but they use guns around warheads 
Yeah, but they're super soldiers. They 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 they, they can breathe. They can breathe the gas. They, they can they can eat radioactive material. These are the same guys who get confused by a cardboard box. Or tricked. So this area, to describe it a little bit, uh, there's kind of rows of box, like rows of shelving, isn't it? And with, with, you can see warheads on the end. And it's quite a large area, and you can go right or left. But either way you have to go, you have to go up some stairs under the walkway to get to the lift. And if you go right, there's like a couple of men and a camera. So you go left, it's probably a little bit easier. I mean, I ran around, I think I killed everybody just for the sake of it, because there's a couple of boxes, um, some shaft grenades, famous bullets, salt gun bullets. Yeah, I ran around, but I didn't kill anybody. I ran around, I avoided them, and then I got to that truck. You can go in the back of the truck. There's nothing in there. Oh, I didn't go in the truck. Yeah, but you can hide in the truck. Right, just like at the in the first compound area where you get the SOCOM pistol. Yeah, at the heliport. Yeah. Right, so then we call the lift. Once again, we have to wait ages for this lift. What I don't understand is the lift seems to take forever to call. And I, I mean, it's obvious why it takes forever to call because they're trying to build up the suspense where you call the lift and a guard could be coming around the corner. But when I call the lift, why does it take longer for the lift to arrive than it takes me to ride it down to the furthest floor away? Um, I don't know. Don't <laughs> think about it. Okay, game logic. It's to build attention while you're waiting and hoping that nobody comes and catches you. Yeah, that's all it's for, really, isn't it? So you got in the lift. We, you know, we get in the lift to Snake. Where did you go first of all? Did you go straight down to B two for Emmerich? No, I went to B one. I also went to B one. So we land on B one. The first thing. This is kind of like a bit like an administration area, isn't it? On the floor. Uh, yes. We yeah. have like to our right, we have the women's toilets. To our left, we have the men's toilets, and below us. We have some offices. I was very confused, though, because while you can enter the men's toilets, you can't enter the women's toilets. Well, yeah, because it's the women's toilets. I mean, why would you want to enter the women's toilets? Yeah, but I mean, why can't you? It's just like you physically can't. The door is blo- locked. Maybe it uses the PAN, the personal area network of your body, and the key cards are gendered, so it knows if you're a man or a woman. But, yeah, I found it slightly odd that you couldn't. But I think maybe you can later on. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, if we go in the men's toilets, there's actually a person relieving himself. And not only is he blurred, but there's steam coming up from it. So this guy is like really hot stuff. But then you can just take him out and it's advisable too, because if you don't, he starts patrolling the offices where we need to go. Yeah, I think there was a couple of people. I killed two people in the toilets. I think another guy later on goes back into the toilets. Yeah. But we have to move then down and there's... I think there's either six or seven different offices sealed with different access keycards, a couple of which you can get in. At the very top right, the room has some stun grenades, and one door is level three access, and this has a Nikita missile launcher with ammo, and also that's where the guard is who will eventually go to the toilet and you can take him out. When I got the Nikita, did, did you uh, call Natasha? Nastasha, sorry? Uh, no, I didn't, but I, I think I called her 20 years ago. When I played this game first. <laughs> but by this time I knew I knew exactly what I had to do with it. So yeah. I didn't I didn't call her no. Well, I got the law down anyway. So she says there's a camera in the nose cone, so you can view the missile from a first person view, and they have limited fuel so you can't go on forever. And it's a pretty cool weapon. I'm sure I don't think anyone's gonna be listening to this that hasn't played this game, but anyway, it is a cool weapon. So you fire the missile, it has a burst of speed. And as soon as you turn it in a direction, it slows right down to impossible sort of speeds. And then you point in a direction, it speeds up again. 
and you can do this from the top-down view or from the first-person view. It's much easier with the first-person view, though, I find. Yeah. Especially because when it's at full speed, it's pretty quick, to be honest, and walls come out of nowhere. I wonder why it's called a Nikita missile launcher. Um, is it to do with um, Khrushchev? He was the prime minister of of uh, the Soviet Union during the missile, I think the Cuban Missile Crisis. Is that why it's called a Nikita missile launcher? Is it named after uh, Nikita? Because I know his name is Nikita Khrushchev. Apparently, one of Kojima's favourite movies is La Femme Nikita. Okay. What's that about? Um, I believe it's about a female hip person. Can't be oh. hit man, right? Hit woman, female, uh, a hit woman. Wouldn't be oh, female okay. hit woman. I suppose a female hit person, uh, or a hit woman. All right, interesting. I guess well, it, it could be either of those. Then it could be, um, because I don't think it's a real weapon. I think it's just made no. up for Metal Gear Solid. No, no, there's no way that's well. I mean, you obviously missiles are more controlled in real life, but I don't think there's anything on this sort of scale that you could shoot personally and then control it afterwards no yeah no so now we have to go back down to b2 well down to b2 if you had went down to b2 originally you would have just had to leave come back up to b1 and then go down to b2 as we enter the floor the b2 floor there's no music there's just a sound of sort of gas leaking and if you move down there's an airlock door to go through so you go into one door it closes behind you next door opens you move inside the area as you get out the other side it's a small scene to show that the floor is sparking with electricity and the room is filled with gas snake looks to his right and there's a danger sign on the wall the camera then follows the power lines to a main power hub not far from us just across the other side of the wall but you have to reach it somehow if it wasn't obvious, the codec rings in his deep throat and he tells us the area is filled with gas and the floor is electrified. So thanks very much for that. That's really good. Um, you know, the, yeah. I remember at the end of season one, I was praising this game for how slick it is and stuff. But the complete obviousness of everything is, is kind of starting to grate on me a little bit. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I think the fact that people ring you up and tell you what you already know is, is a problem. But... I guess you have to take it from the point of view that we've played it already and we know. Although, yeah, I know, I get what you mean. I mean, he rings you up and tells you exactly what you already know. Yeah. But you can already see that there's gas in the room. It's, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's a bit over the top sometimes. He continues. He says, we need to find the high voltage switch and destroy it with missiles. Conveniently, we've just found a remote controlled missile launcher in the room in the floor above. So now you use the missiles and you have to get sort of to, uh, to the left hand side of where we are and above. The only way to do that is to carry on down, left and up. But then as you go left and back up, there are gun cameras everywhere. Mm. And the best thing, did you destroy them? Uh, no, I managed to get past them without getting shot to pieces. Right. Well, the missile getting shot to pieces. Yeah, the the camera destroyed one of my missiles as I was next to it, which, which took the camera out. So after that, I just started crashing the missiles. Just blow the cameras and blow them up. So I think it took me like four missiles in total. Yeah, I took it took me one missile to get through the whole way. Well, that's really good because for me, obviously I had to keep an eye on the O2 meter because it goes down pretty fast if you're uh, standing in the area. But anyway, once you take the switch out, you can then run on the walkway. 
and the last room on the right hand side has a gas mask so it's a good idea to grab it and equip it it doesn't stop your oxygen gauge from depleting however it does slow it down quite substantially yeah i found it was slightly annoying because the gas mask and the level three access card were on the same using point so you had to switch between the gas mask and the card when you wanted to open doors that, that's exactly what i had wrote down here and did you use first person view while you had the gas mask on uh no okay if you do that you see from like a gas mask it's quite cool okay and there's a few other rooms around some with c4 some with grenades and other ammo uh but then we can just basically move on did you go on did you go to the left where you had sent a missile um i think i did actually but i don't remember recall anything good being in there no there's just a few bits and pieces it's not really worth it because mm. some of the doors are level four and five axis anyway yeah, we can now move forward and the door that we need to go through has a gun camera above it. If you push yourself up against the wall at the end of that corridor, you can actually see the door, use first person mode, you can see the door and the door has some writing on. Did you see the writing on the door? No, what was the writing on the door? It said, Hal's lab, keep out. Ah, oh, I didn't look at that. So we're not going to the right place. So you avoid the camera, or you can throw a chaff grenade, whatever you want to do. Go through the door after unequipping our gas mask and equipping the key. It's strange. And we hit another airlock, move through that, and we get a cutscene. Snake stops in the corridor and looks around. There's a lot of guards in there that have been slaughtered. There's blood on the walls and there's five bodies on the ground. Snake notes that it looks like they were cut. You can now move forward slightly in the corridor, but the radar's jammed. There's no music, but it's got like repetitive voices that you can't understand what they're saying. And it sounds a bit, maybe it's mechanical, computerised voices. Yeah. Almost like voices whispering in your head over and over. As we push forward, a man walks out from the corner in front of us, saying it's a ghost, before falling to the floor, presumably dead. We push forward more, you can pick up some famous ammo. Then there's a sound of gunfire and Snake runs forward to investigate. He sees a man hovering in mid-air. He's on his back and his limbs are hanging down. He's impaled on something, but it's very hard to see. But there's clearly someone with active camo there. The man hits the ground and the ninja deactivates his camo and walks through the door in front of him. Then we regain control and the radar unjams. And did you notice something when the radar unjammed? Uh, no. The, uh, the man that crawled out, he's actually on the radar as a white dot. You can see oh, him, so he's not okay. actually dead, apparently. Alright. You go to the door, and the door's a level 4 door, but it's broken, so we can move through, even though we don't have the right keycard. So you move through, and that takes us into the lab. And the introduction to the lab is another cutscene, surprise, surprise. Snake walks in, and you can hear a man whimpering. We then see the ninja approach a man in a lab coat, a scientist, presumably Dr. Hal Emmerich. Emmerich then wets himself as the ninja turns off his camo to reveal himself. He then demands to know the whereabouts of his friend. However, the doctor doesn't know what he's talking about, but sees Snake. The ninja turns around to tell Snake that he's been waiting for him, and Snake asks who he is. The reply is that he's neither enemy or a friend. These words are meaningless. The ninja says they were battled to the death, as only with this battle the ninja's soul can find respite. Dr. Emmerich is then petrified, gets up and hides in a locker. Snake tells the ninja he needs the man and to keep his hands off him and the battle starts and the music duel starts playing again. So how did you fare on this battle? 
Um, I did fine. I didn't find this a very tough battle at all. I mean, no. I kind of I remember doing it before. Mm-hmm. The first thing I remember is you get rid of your weapon. Yes, yeah. you can't shoot him, uh, and then he gets rid of his sword, and then it turns into a. a then as long as you avoid him, because he starts off just jumping and trying to jump up high and then down on top of you. Yeah. Um, and then he gets. Then you you know you just run up and hit him a few times, uh, punching and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then then he gets progressively more kind of agitated, and then mm-hmm. he starts disappearing. And it's mm-hmm. like oh you can't find me, but you can see him shimmering. Yeah. I mean, I think. Um, I had read somewhere that on um, older CRT TVs, it was a lot harder to see him. But on modern monitors and um, screens, it's a lot easier to see his shape. Right. But anyway, yeah, then you go and hit him some more. And then he starts to go a bit more crazy. Then you kind of want to avoid him. And then you can use chaff grenades to disorientate him. Yeah. Um, So he stops. Um, And then in the final part, he's got this big blue pulsing energy around him. But as long as you time it uh, well enough that it's not in the biggest phase of the blue orb. Yeah. I thought it was quite straightforward. It wasn't that um, difficult. Yeah. Well, at that point, well, I mean, I wrote it down. I wrote it down as five separate stages, like you'd said. But on the last one, when he's got the blue orbs, I just pulled the gun out at that point and started shooting him. Oh, no, you can't do that. You had agreed to fight in in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, but... I, I didn't agree to that. Did he say anything when you started shooting him? No, not really. I mean, because it, there's only like two hits to do with that point, isn't there? You lack honour. <laughs> <laughs> I did call yeah, some people while we were battling, though. Why? What did they say? So the colonel, hearing him, she's talked to Naomi, and she tells us about the current members and doesn't know who that guy is. Master then tells us to put away our weapons. Meryl tells us to do something to save Dr. Everidge, so thanks, Meryl. And Nastasha says he has a powered exoskeleton, and they talk about how he's a cyborg. So it's nothing of merit, really. Okay. When the cyborg's life bar goes to zero, the voices start playing again, and you get just a, one or two more hits, and it's done, and it's straight back into another cutscene. Uh, a couple of things, though, before you, when you're fighting yeah. this guy. Mm-hmm. He says a lot of things like, um, he knows Snake. He's like, I've waited a long time for this. Yeah, um, true. And he says he's come from another world to do battle with him. Yeah. Um, and he said it's the only way fighting Snake or to, to fight to the death with Snake is the only way that he his soul can be free. Um, mm-hmm. he, he wants him to kill him or, or, or the other way around. He doesn't care. And when you're hitting him, um, he's like, uh, you know, make me feel alive again. You know, hit me more. All of this as you're as you're punching him and stuff. And then Snake, yeah, he's you know he says, "Oh, I felt that. Do you remember me now?" And and um, they they've got a history. They definitely have some sort of history. So in the cutscene, the ninja asks Snake if he remembers him. Snake replies, saying that he can't be, and that he was killed in Zanzibar. The ninja then starts to malfunction. He freaks out and he headbutts the ground over and over, then screams and escapes. Snake immediately calls the colonel on his codec and tells him that the ninja is Grey Fox. The colonel doesn't believe this and says he died in Zanderbar. There's one important line I think that you've... Because I've put it in here. Right. But basically what happens is that he starts shaking like the other two people. What's his name? The DARPA chief and um, Kenneth Baker. And Snake is like... And then the ninja starts kind of screaming and, and Snake is like, not again. So he thinks that... And then the ninja's like, it's the medicine... So whatever they've put into people is affecting them because just when he starts talking to Snake, this 
medicine or whatever starts to kick in and that's when the, the ninja falls onto the ground and starts hitting his head on the ground and and then effectively he says he's losing himself and then he runs off ah see I, I, for some reason i didn't pick up on that i don't know why yeah i think that's important because obviously he's not himself they've put something into him um and the same kind of convulsions happened um with him that happened with the dapper chief and uh, kenneth baker and a comment in a moment that snake makes to emmerich i think shows why that's important as well Naomi interjects to say that he should have died, but he didn't. She continues to say, after Campbell retired and before Naomi joined the Foxhound medical staff, a man was used for experiments. Her predecessor, Dr. Clark, who started the gene therapy project, was in charge. The project recovered Gray Fox and revived him and fitted him with an exoskeleton and performed experiments on him. The data was then used to create today's genome soldiers. Snake asked Naomi why she didn't tell him, and her reply is that the information is confidential. That's which is total. It's just a total non-answer, isn't it? Really, it is total non-answer because you you rang her as well in the middle of the fight, and she was like, "Oh, I don't know who that is." Yeah, <laughs> totally. Campbell then asks what happened to Grey Fox afterwards. She says an explosion which killed Doctor Clark also killed Grey Fox. Snake says he believes Grey Fox doesn't know who he is. Campbell suggests he may be a mindless robot. Nevertheless, he wants to fight Snake to the death. We leave the codec and move on to Snake, walking up to the locker to ask the doctor how long he's going to stay there. The doctor comes out and asks him if he's a terrorist. Snake tells him no, to which the doctor asks if Snake is also an otaku like him. This is this is a bit of a dig on otakus really, isn't it? Yeah. Ota- o- otaku, would otaku, you call it? I think, I think otaku is better. I think it, yeah. I think because he's like you know you're alone that you work because Snake's like oh I always work alone yeah and the scientist then like, I, it's a, it's saying that otakus are loners yeah basically. and I think do they explain an otaku as someone who likes anime and video games uh yeah pretty much yeah and like you know it's a real thing in otaku isn't it um you have a gaming video video gaming website Kotaku that's quite a big one which is a play on words of that. When the doctor comes out the locker, he says Snake's uniform is different. Snake doesn't respond to this question and asks if he is Dr. Emmerich. The doctor asks if Snake is here to rescue him, but he tells him there is something to do first. Snake asks the doctor what Metal Gear is for. He's told it's just to be used in defense against missiles. Snake calls him a liar and grabs him, telling him that's nuclear equipped. The doctor states he doesn't know what Snake's talking about and has told the terrorists plan to launch a nuclear missile. The doctor says the armament was built by a separate department and he wasn't aware of this. That's very convenient, isn't it? Although I think it's actually a real practice in real life, especially for building sort of uh, systems that can hurt people. If you're, if you're coding that sort of thing, you might be coding a very small sub subsection of the program and you don't really know what it does or how it interacts yeah. properly with everything else. Yeah. Snake speculates that Metal Gear doesn't fire normal missiles, as at that point they would have all the data they require. Emmerich says the Rivermore National Labs were developing new types of weapons. It was developed in VR, but needed actual launch data. Emmerich tells Snake some of his backstory, that his grandfather, that his grandfather was on the Manhattan Project, and his father was born on the day of the Hiroshima bomb himself being the third man of the Emmerich family to be involved with nukes. 
Snake demands to know the location of Metal Gear, and he's told it's in an underground maintenance base. The Doctor says overrides are there, but Snake needs to hurry as they are ready to launch. The Doctor wants to go with Snake, but Snake says no, since the Doctor is injured, but to stay in contact with the codec and hide. The Doctor tells him not to worry, as he has the same active camo as the ninja. Snake wants Meryl to look after the Doctor, and calls her on the codec. He tells her the Doctor is okay, and asks about her location, and we find out she's close by. We then hear some men shouting at Meryl, followed by gunfire. Her codec then goes silent. Snake asks the Doctor what Meryl looks like. But it's a it's it's another one of these uh, sexist scenes, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I mean they flashback. What does he like? Um, oh yeah, what's he look like? And then he says, you know, she's wearing the same green uniform as a terrorist. And then there's a flashback to her escaping. And then Snake's like, oh, it's a disguise. Um, and then the Hal or Emmerich, um says, oh, she has a cute way of walking. She kind yeah. of wiggles her behind. And then Snake's like, oh, you were looking. <laughs> And then he then Otakan or yeah says, Oh, she's got a very cute behind. Um and then Snake's like way of walking. So yeah, they're basically talking about how she's got a great rear end. Yeah. So it's a it's a it, this game is a bit sexist in places, but you know, it was twenty years ago. World was different. It's appealing to well, I mean, you know, I guess yeah, the world is different. But I mean it's kind of goes a lot some of those kind of action hero james bond trope kind of you know the the bond girl thingies i mean back in the what 90s even in the early 2000s that kind of thing was commonplace in tv film and games as well yeah. um you know and it's you know i'm trying to think that you know you didn't really even have female protagonists in games back then until you got to tomb raider well tomb raider um, was before this yeah but yeah. then again she was also very ample not I mean, so she, ample uh, in the first game. Was she not? Not not as much. Yeah, I think she was. I think it was very much geared towards a, a young teenage male audience. Oh, it definitely was. Definitely was yeah. geared towards teenagers. Emmerich goes on to say that, you know, if she's disguised as the enemy, you'll have to find her when she's alone. Yeah. Um, and then he says there's only one place where we can sure that is. And obviously... Um, Snake was like, oh, where's that? And Emmerich says, don't be stupid or don't be so dense. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's the women's toilet. But yeah. how can he go into the toilet now? Well, that's it. I mean, we couldn't get in the toilet before and, you know, can't go in the toilet. I don't know. Does he need a level four security card to go in there? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's why. Maybe yeah. you're not allowed to go to the toilet unless you're level four or higher. However, after that, he does pass as a level four security card. And then this is where Snake gets very serious and starts asking if he's feeling okay. And the doctor just starts saying, like, um, he says, what, what's wrong? Why are you getting so touchy-feely all of a sudden? Yeah, because basically the last people who gave him access cards or told him anything right away afterwards had this heart attack or convulsion like Baker and like um, the Dark Darpa. Chief and Darpa. also the Ninja himself. Um, yeah. All of those kind of, well, two of them died and the other one looked like he was in a really bad state. Yeah. So then the doctor tells Snake to call him Otacon, as in Otaku Convention, a convention for anime lovers. He says that Japan is the best in the field of robotics and he wanted to make Robox like in Japanese animation. Snake tells him that he just wants information, but Otacon says he can get us ammo and rations with his active camo. 
He activates the camo and tells Snake he's on frequency 141.12, then runs off. Do you know what I find is... Well, no, not find. It's a kind of an Easter egg, isn't it? I mean, the Japanimation, the robots, that um, cutscene, it's that yeah. other game, Police Knots. I think it might be Police Knots. I think this one is, and there's a Police Knots um, poster in Hal's lab. Yes, there is. And Police Notes, um, the Konami music at the start, that is the Police Notes opening theme. So yeah, back to the gameplay. So really, we'll probably leave that there for tonight. It's another episode for another 20 minutes of gameplay. I promise you, we will probably try and speed this up, maybe do a couple of bosses next week. Um, so before we go, you know, thank you for listening. You know, it's brilliant. I'm not going to put them premiered outros on anymore. I think I'll just thank you all after each episode. Seems a bit more personal, but... Yeah. We will end on a nice mailing quote. What do you have for us? A mailing quote this week comes from the Immortal Bard or Shakespeare. So it's notes head all spent where our desire is got without content. It's from Macbeth. Um, and it's Lady Macbeth, basically. From Macbeth, it says, you know, her and Macbeth have gotten what they wanted. They wanted to be king and queen of Scotland. Uh, but even then, they're not truly happy um, because Macbeth is starting to get paranoid and um, there's distance coming between them. So they've basically spent all that they had um, and they're not happy. And Mei Ling says that basically what she says is that your desire can get you in trouble if you're not careful. Um, in the gameplay, it's that don't go for items just for the sake of it. Don't get too greedy. Um, so an example of this that happened to me, I went to a corridor uh, where that had gun cannons, ranted into the corridor. I got a box of chaff grenades, but lost half my life. And I was like, well, that really wasn't worth it, was it? But there you go. Good. Cool. Okay, brilliant. It is all connected. It is all connected. <laughs>